Can you believe it's October already? Season of falling leaves and wool sweaters and pumpkin spice everything. I know Benjamin's uh, a big fan of that. And costume gathering for Halloween. I've heard a few of our children's costume ideas, and I've heard of a bank robber and a mouse and Cinderella, and it's so much fun as you see the joy in our children's lives as they gear up to dress up like somebody else. As some of you might know, I also like to dress up a little bit. I like costume parties, and when I moved to my town home four years ago, I discovered the two other units of the townhomes did a group costume idea each Halloween and passed out candy together. So when I moved there, they invited me to take part. I think it was a little test. Is this person going to be cool enough that they can be in our townhome? Apparently, I passed because I keep getting asked to do costumes with them. Well, last year, we dressed up as the characters from the Canadian comedy TV show by Dan and Eugene Levy. I went as Moira Rose. And I had so much fun creating the costume, purchasing three wigs for the outfit, because if you know the show, Moira loves her wigs. She even has names for her wigs. I practiced her unique style of speaking and literally got to gob on the makeup for the night. Was I actually Moira Rose? No. But I could do a pretty good imitation of her at the time. In today's reading, we're deviating from the Acts passages that we have been going through, and I am specifically focusing on Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, one of my favorite passages of Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, in which we are reminded of many things, but primarily to be imitators of God. At first, this feels like a really tall order, imitating God, practicing God, clothing our hearts like God, talk like God, but be reminded of the word imitate. We're not actually to be God, but to follow, to copy, to shape ourselves after our creator. We are to become a new creation of humanity that models itself after Christ. We're told to put away our old life, our old selves, And by being renewed in the spirit of our minds, clothe ourselves with the new self, which is to be a likeness of God. This echoes the Acts passage that Ryan preached on two weeks ago about rules. You remember our big stack of books with rules written all over it? We are to put away those old rules, and the new rule of love is to be followed. If we were to clothe ourselves like God, what would that look like? Is it a costume we're to put on? No. Paul goes on to let us know what it looks like and feels like to put on the clothes of God. First of all, we're to be honest with one another. Speak the truth, as hard as that might be sometimes. Not only does it tell us to speak the truth to one another, it tells us that we are to do it because we belong to one another. We are all part of the same family of God. One of my favorite words that takes this into consideration is Ubuntu. You've probably heard of it before. It's an Nguni Bantu word meaning humanity. Sometimes it's translated as I am because we are, or I am because you are, or humanity towards one another. It is the belief in a universal bond of sharing that connects all of humanity. This is why we tell the truth, because we are interconnected. Next, we're told that when we are angry, we are not to hurt one another. 
Notice that God never says, don't be angry. Some things should make us angry. And we will be angry at times because it's an emotion. And God created us with a vast array of emotions. However, the focus is what we do with that anger. Do we hurt others and ourselves? Or do we use that anger to motivate us to fight injustice and wrongdoing? Do we use that anger to clarify and to help make peace? We're also told to take care of each other's needs by working and sharing what we have with one another. The words telling us to do honest work are not glorifying our work or making our work idols. Rather, it's a way to support and help each other. An effort that benefits the community as well as ourselves. Our work is sacred because we participate in the calling to serve God's cause in this world. We are to speak words of kindness and grace that build one another up. Paul states, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those that need to hear. Now with that in mind, this is where your sticky comes in place. With that in mind, I would like us to take that little orange piece of paper that you were given at the beginning of the service, and there's pencils. We Braulio graciously put pencils back in the pews, or if you have your own pen, or you could share a pen with someone. And I would like you to write a brief, very brief note, or if you want to draw a little picture, some of the kids may want to draw pictures. The adults can also draw pictures. But write a note to someone that's in this building, in this moment, of encouragement. doesn't have to be long. Sometimes we think we have to do really big gestures to build one another up, and we actually don't. Sometimes it's those little, tiny moments of connection that can encourage us. I remember, I think it was a year ago, uh, Ryan had, I think, something similar to this, and Christine gave me a note that I still have on my desk, and it was just, that's what gave me the idea. It was just this little sticky, but it has stayed on my desk and encouraged me throughout the year. So I would like us to do that within this room. If you are at home and watching, you can send one another emails. But we're going to take a moment, write that, and at the end of the service, I'm going to stretch you a little bit today. Slip that piece of paper to the person that you want to gift it to. You don't have to say anything. You could just tap them on the shoulder and slip the note and leave it with them. I know this means we have to step out of our comfort zone a little bit, but it's worth it as we gift grace to one another, just a practical example of how we can build one another up. So take a few moments, write a little note, and hold on to that till the end of the service, and then you can gift it to someone who's in this room right now. I'll just be quiet for a moment so you can write those things. All right, we'll go on. I see some eyes coming up. The imperatives of Paul go on. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Throughout scripture, we see the goodness of God. In this verse, we're looking more closely at the kindness of God through Jesus. This is the one who told disciples to love their enemies, who welcomed children to his side, who encouraged women in his inner circle, and who ate with people that others judged. Not only are we to be kind, but we're to be tender-hearted, compassionate. Compassion doesn't mean we try and fix everything for one another, but rather we are witness. We sit, we are present with them in their struggle. We calm passion. We are with the one who is in a passionate struggle. And last but not least, we are to forgive. Something that can be so difficult to do. We're not only called to forgive, but forgive as God has done. We need to restore our relationships with one another, not as if nothing had ever happened, but with the heart of Christ that is grieved when we harm one another. I appreciate Harvard and Barry's comment that verse 32 could be translated as, be gracious to one another, as God in Christ has been gracious to you. God is so very gracious to us. Which brings us full circle. Again, we are told, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us. This is the only place in the New Testament where this particular command is stated. Be imitators of God as beloved children. We've all seen or known children in our lives that beautifully or not so beautifully imitate the grown-ups around them. I remember my son often starting his three-year-old sentences with, actually, actually, mommy, me no like it. Actually, mommy, I want red pajamas. I had no idea until then how much I said the word actually. He taught me very well. Now, this is a really small example of imitation. And this morning, we're talking about imitating our heavenly parent. But as we heard at the beginning, we are to imitate, not become God. We are not God, but the Spirit of God lives in us. Does it not feel so much more manageable and less overwhelming when we look at it this way? Sure, we will stumble, but with love and compassion and forgiveness, we can do this together. We can be truth speakers and sharing workers and kindness givers all together. We can stumble along as God's beloved children, but fumbling with compassion toward community.